As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter 1. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy-to-read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. You are listening to the C.S. Lewis Podcast with Professor Alistair McGrath, brought to you by Premier. I'm Ruth Jackson, and over this second series, Alistair and I will be looking at some of the key themes and ideas in Lewis's seminal book, Mere Christianity. You can find out more about this series, as well as C.S. Lewis and Professor Alistair McGrath, by heading to cslewispodcast.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. On today's episode, we will be looking at what Lewis says about the problem of evil in mere Christianity. Welcome back to the C.S. Lewis podcast with Alistair McGrath. Now, Alistair, we're going to be focusing particularly in this episode on the problem of evil. And I know we dealt with the problem of pain and suffering in uh, the previous series, but we're looking particularly at what Lewis says about evil in mere Christianity. For, For those of us who haven't read mere Christianity or perhaps read it a long time ago and can't quite remember, what does Lewis say about evil and where in the book does it come if we wanted to just go and read that section? Well, the answer is it comes quite early on, and he's really talking about um, the idea of God and why it is we have this this sense that some things are evil. You know, and it, it's very much connected up with the early discussion about um, wanting to do good. Where does this idea of good come from? And that's, that's a very important element in Lewis's reflections on the nature of God as the one who is good and shows us what good is like. Because obviously when Lewis starts talking about evil and things like that, one of the questions you have to ask is how do we know that certain things are evil? I think that's a a very important point because um, Lewis himself as a young man was an atheist and he believed that in effect the existence of evil in the world made it impossible to believe in God. So this is a very significant question for him. We we know it stopped him becoming a Christian, and we know that, in effect, there were certain moments where he began to realise it wasn't quite as simple as that. As you say there, Alistair, one of Lewis's big objections uh, for belief in God was the idea that actually the world around him was so unjust. Um, But ironically, that was effectively what kind of led him to believe in the idea of justice and therefore in the idea of God. Would you unpack that a little bit? Because it seems sort of counterintuitive, doesn't it, that actually the existence of evil would point to God. Uh, For a lot of people, that is one of their big objections still to believing in God, isn't it? 
it is a big concern. And therefore, let, let's just think through what Lewis is saying. And he's making the point that um, it seemed to him that the universe was unjust. Um, and therefore, that seemed to, in effect, call into question the goodness of God. And I'm, I'm sure many people listening to me will, you know, will say, oh, I, I, either I have that problem or I know somebody else who does. And so Lewis's reflections on this are worth thinking about. So again, the point is the universe is unjust and therefore there can't be a God. How do you know it is unjust? What standard of justice are you using? And the point is that Lewis is really bringing out the point that actually maybe there's just something we're inventing. This is not how I would have done it if I was doing it myself. But Lewis is saying, you know, if you remove the idea of God, then in effect, there is no longer any standard by which you can judge that the universe is unjust. It's in effect saying, I don't believe in um, measuring rods, so I'm going to stop using them. I can't measure anything anymore. It's a very important point. Um, Lewis, in effect, um, argues that his atheism rested on a contradiction between a, a just God and an unjust world. But the key point is that if there is no God, then in effect, you know, justice is simply something which we invent. And we are simply saying we view the world as being unjust, but it does not carry with it the implications that an atheist might think. I suppose he's not necessarily saying that this is um, an emotional solution to this very pertinent question, is he? He's saying this is a philosophical grounding for the reason that actually the injustice in the world points to a God who has um, dictated what justice is. What Lewis is saying is that in the end, the, the only way in which you can decide whether the, the world is just or unjust is an absolute standard of justice. What's that? Well, you know, if there isn't a God, then there isn't one. It's simply something that we invent or very powerful people impose upon us. And so Lewis is realizing there's a problem. And let me give you another problem he experienced, which is very much along the same lines. Um, Lewis served in the First World War. He was badly wounded. And he was very, very angry with God for allowing this uh, horrible war to develop. But he did realize that there was a contradiction in what he was saying. He, he in effect, said, well, look, um, um, I'm blaming God for this war. But if there is no God, then I cannot blame God. And this war, therefore, is not caused by God. It's caused by human beings. So I should be blaming human beings. So actually, I'm not quite sure how, how my atheism actually is grounded in this uh, fear and this feeling that the First World War is very unjust. So what Lewis writes very, very clearly, particularly in Surprised by Joy, is that he began to realise that atheism actually was riddled with contradictions, actually unchallenged assumptions, which he began to realise were actually very, very fragile. So how does C.S. Lewis account for the evil in the world? Well, Lewis accounts for it in a number of ways. I mean, he refuses to... Um, to believe in dualism. In other words, that there are two gods, one of whom is good and one of whom is bad, and the good bits are due to the good god and the bad bits are due to the bad god. Um, the quotation I keep coming back to is this one, that this is a good world which has gone wrong but still retains the memory of what it ought to have been. I think that really is a very good summary of um, of a Christian way of thinking about this because Lewis is saying God made the world good but it's kind of way got lost. 
and Lewis will talk a, a bit about this in, in Mere Christianity. He does not actually go into this in great detail. He wants us to see the essential point, which is a good creation which goes wrong and needs to be redeemed, restored, put back on track. So if you, if you like, in effect, what Lewis is doing is beginning to talk about what theologians would describe as the economy of salvation. All the rest of it, I think, would simply say this is all about joining the dots between creation, fall, redemption. But what the point that Lewis is trying to make is that the world that we see now, in other words, the empirical world that we see on our news screens, okay, is not actually the world that God created. It's a, it's a world that has departed from that it's a world that has gone wrong and looking at the way the world is brings home to us just how far it has gone wrong and raises this very important question what can be done to put it right can we do this or does it lie beyond us now we talked about this a bit uh, when thinking about the opening chapters of mere christianity where lewis's key point is that we may be able to say this is good but somehow we we can't do it and, and again, Lewis is trying to make the point that there is something wrong with this world that we can recognize, but we cannot fix it by ourselves. And another point, we are part of this world and there's something wrong with us as well. We aren't, if you like, a, a, a good observer of an unjust world. We are part of the world we're observing and we're caught up in, if you like, it having gone wrong. You mentioned there that Lewis sort of talks about the fact that there's something gone wrong in us. And I suppose if, if we're in this kind of post-Christian culture, what I tend to see is that the word sin is often distorted or in some ways sort of diluted down. It, it's come to mean indulgent chocolates or risky lingerie or something like that. But that's clearly not what Lewis was thinking of when he uses this word sin. So how did he view sin and the idea of free will? Well, Lewis sees sin as um, trying to name what is actually wrong with the world. And, you know, I suppose it's a bit bit like um, a medical practitioner. You know, in effect, they're examining the patient and they're trying to say, here's what the problem is, here's what's gone wrong. Because once you know what the problem is, you can then say, now, here's what we can do about it. If you like, um, you perform a diagnosis, here's what the problem is, now we can begin to work out what we do about this. And what Lewis is saying is that Christianity offers a diagnosis of the human situation, and it uses the word sin to refer to this. And Lewis will not equate sin with badness or with evil. It's more complex than that. It is, um, it's, it's, it's a very rich concept. And one of the reasons that uh, people tend to shy away from the idea of sin is that very often we focus on only one of its aspects. And in doing so, we miss so much of the richness of the concept. But basically for Lewis, once we realize that uh, sin is the problem, we begin to realize the solution actually lies in redemption, which is not something we can do on our own. It's something God does for us. And that's a really important point that Lewis wants to bring out. It's integral to his understanding of the significance of Christ, but also to the nature of Christianity itself. And where does free will come into all of this? Because he talks about that quite a lot hand in hand with sin, doesn't he? Well, he does. And what Lewis is trying to get across is the idea that in some way sin, well, he uses the language of spoils a lot. Sin spoils us, damages us, wounds us. 
um, makes us ill. I mean, the Christian tradition uses a whole range of images. Um, Some of these are medical, some of these are relational, some of these are from the law courts. Um, But the, the key theme is this is not the way things are meant to be. And it doesn't have to stay this way. It can be changed. So if you like this, there's a, a negative side. This is wrong, but there's a positive side and something can be done about it. And actually, it reminds me, um, I, I used to be at Cambridge for two years and I would sometimes go to King's College Chapel and, uh, you know, there's some wonderful services there. But um, people told me about something that happened there, um, which was that someone broke into the chapel and slashed an a painting in the um, chapel and um, very, people were very, very upset. But then someone put up a notice saying it is believed this masterpiece can be restored. And you know, that's what Lewis is getting at. Um, we are damaged. We are wounded. We are spoiled. And actually it's not what we can do about it, but somebody else can put things right. And so if you like, he's trying to lay the groundwork for leading into the Christian doctrine of redemption. Something is wrong. We can't fix it, but it can be fixed by somebody else. And we're obviously going to spend quite a lot of time talking about that redemption, particularly in the next episode when we talk about Christ. But just going back to the kind of diagnosis, the problem, why does Lewis think that sin is such a big problem for God? Well, he thinks it's a big problem because it is a big problem, if I can put it very simply. <laughs> I think that, that Lewis is, is very, very clear that we tend to think of sin in in very low-level ways, like, um, you know, um, going slightly over the speed limit on the road or something like that. And what Lewis is trying to get us to see is that sin actually gets to the heart of the human predicament. It's not trivial. It's about something having gone wrong at the heart of human existence. And in developing this point, of course, Lewis is picking up on themes from earlier Christian writers who we knew very, very well, who in effect make the point that, for example, um, the very things that God gave us to keep us on track actually have become distorted by sin. So if you like, um, we have been taken captive by sin, and that means we end up as slaves of sin, uh, keeping on doing things that are wrong. We need someone to, in effect, set us free from bondage to sin. And that's one of the reasons why Lewis keeps coming back to this idea of the need for redemption. Being told what is right doesn't help us. It's a bit like somebody who's got a, you know, a very bad cough. You might say, look, please stop coughing. Well, you'd like to, but you can't because you're ill. You need to be made better and then you can stop coughing. And Lewis is really trying to make the point that we trivialize sin by, in effect, treating it as some, some minor moral failing that we can correct. It's not. It's something at the heart of human nature, which explains all the problems and why it needs to be changed and why we can't change it on our own. Clearly, sin accounts for a lot of the evil that we see in the world, things like murder. That's obviously someone being sinful. But does C.S. Lewis also think that it accounts for kind of the general brokenness that we see in the world? So things like disease or natural disasters. I think there are two elements in Lewis's thought. Uh, one of them is human frailty, in other words, human weakness. Um, and if you like, that's a, that's that's not a very... Um, judgmental thing. It's simply saying we need to recognize we're not as strong as we think we are. But on the other hand, there's a spectrum from being frail 
to being sinful. And Lewis is saying, look, you can't disconnect these, really. They're, they're all part of the same problem. It is true that we are weak. God knows that. And God gives us grace. But it's also true we are sinful and we need to be helped there. And whether we're talking about human fragility or human sin, these are things really we can't self-correct. We need someone to do something for us. And again, we were talking earlier about the relationship between biological life and spiritual life. And one of the points that Lewis makes um, is that basically with spiritual life, it's as if you are not living on your own. It's about, in effect, having someone else within you who in effect is energizing you guiding you directing you it's almost as if there's there's a a new life within you which is moving you in new ways inspiring you and redirecting the whole course of your life it's not about in effect a set of instructions it's rather someone within you who is helping you become a new person One of the things you talked about earlier was this popular idea of dualism at the time when C.S. Lewis was writing, the idea of there being a good... Uh, a good power and a bad power and the kind of battle between them and Lewis saying, no, actually, it's a bad world. Uh, uh, (laughs) No, actually, it's a good world that has gone wrong. Do you think there is something that's a kind of contemporary idea? Obviously, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily... Um, believe in dualism now uh, but how how would people today account for evil or or do you think there's a sense in which people just don't even really think like that they don't think in terms of good and bad and evil it's just the way the world is i my impression is that a lot of people in effect say good is what i think evil is what people outside my network think so in effect you what we're seeing i think is if you like um almost like a post-truth culture emerging in which, in effect, people form groups centered around their truths. You might like to think about that. How often people say, my truth is, this is what I want to be true. And I think that part of the problem here is that my truth might be, I'm right, I'm good, you're wrong, you're evil. And the whole point is that from the perspective of my truth, you can't prove I'm wrong. And I think think it's really worrying. And that's one of the reasons why Lewis is so emphatic that we need to, in effect, some kind of standpoint to be able to see things properly. We need to be to be helped to see that things are not that straightforward. And I think that one of the things that I often wonder is what would Lewis today say if he were to see this post-truth culture? What would he say to kind of wake people up and say, you know, you can't live like this? Because, in effect, all this is doing is trapping you within a self-referential bubble, and it stops you engaging with alternative ways of thinking. I suppose many of C.S. Lewis's original listeners, and certainly a modern reader today reading Mere Christianity, might struggle with the idea of the devil. How does C.S. Lewis uh, tackle this really difficult topic that I'm sure would have been just as difficult at the time as it is today. Well, I think I think the answer basically is that Lewis himself seems to seems to share that concern. He's saying this doesn't necessarily seem very straightforward. Um, and Lewis, I think, it, it really, um, if you look at the fall narrative in the Book of Genesis, I mean, I have the impression I may be wrong here, but that Lewis is struggling a bit in trying to explain this. Um, how it is that, um, first of all, Satan came to pervert God's goodness into evil, and then also how 
how this is, if you like, passed on to the rest of us. And, and Lewis does offer some interesting uh, ways of thinking about this. For example, um, accumulating a debt within a family, which is passed on to subsequent generations. And again, you can see where that's coming from. But I think what Lewis is really concerned to try and bring out here is not so much the process as the outcome. That for Lewis and mere Christianity, um, the key question is, what does this say about where we are, who we are right now? How does this help us understand our situation? And therefore, what can be done to change the human situation? Is there anywhere else that C.S. Lewis talks about this problem of discerning evil? I think there are lots of points where he does this. I think one of the most interesting is the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. Well, you think of the children going into Narnia, they begin to hear stories. And very often they buy into these stories. One story is the white witch is the real ruler of Narnia. She's good, but there are other nasty people around. And so if you like, they're told a story which says, this is good, this is evil. Some hear the other story, which is about Aslan as the real ruler of Narnia. And that tells you a very different story about who is good, who is evil. I think it's very important to realize that our culture tells multiple stories about what is good, what is evil. And very often you trust the story which is told by the most reliable person. And for Lewis, that's why Christ is so important. He's someone who can be trusted and therefore, the story which centers on him and the story which he tells is something we can trust. And so sort of putting that into a modern context, how do we discern which is the most reliable story in today's sort of post-Christian culture? I think there are several ways we can look at it. One is to say, what's the basis for this story? What sort of grounding does it have in history and in fact? Or we might also ask, what does this story do to people? Does it liberate them? Does it turn them nasty? Because very often, you know, a good story helps people to become good. And we need to ask, you know, for example, does the Christian story help you care for the world? Lewis's answer is it does. His point is, again and again, that it talks about the hope of heaven, but doesn't mean you disengage from the world. It means you try to make the world more like the heaven we believe in. I think that's a very important point. You mentioned the Narnia Chronicles there. And as we come to the end of this episode about the problem of evil, is there anywhere else that we can find out what C.S. Lewis thinks about this clearly big problem of evil? We can look at the space trilogy, particularly um, the hideous, that hideous strength, because in many ways that's about how something which seems to be good superficially actually is quite evil intrinsically. And if you like, very often human beings present a facade of goodness, but behind it, there's something really quite disturbing. I think one of the things that's so powerful about mere Christianity is that Lewis enables people to see past the facade to what we really are like, and then give us the good news, something can be done about this. Alistair, thank you so much. I feel like we focused quite a lot on the uh, diagnosis and the problem, but the next episode we will be talking about the solution. So thank you so much, Alistair. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast with Professor Alistair McGrath, brought to you by Premier. 
I'm Ruth Jackson and over this second series, Alistair and I will be looking at some of the key themes and ideas in Lewis's seminal book, Mere Christianity. You can find out more about this series, as well as C.S. Lewis and Professor Alistair McGrath, by heading to cslewispodcast.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. Next week, we'll be taking a break from our series to broadcast a special edition of the C.S. Lewis podcast. 